This is the Land Legacy Podcast, brought to you by Whitetail Properties Real Estate. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your weekly resource for habitat management, wildlife management, and recreational real estate. We hope you guys enjoy the show. All right, welcome back, guys. Chet, what's going on in your world today? Not a whole lot. What's going on in the world of Federale? Just normal work stuff. Yep. Um, you know, in the normal world for Matt and I, he's on the road, and I'll be on the road in a few days. I've got a trip to, oh, this is a good reminder. In case people didn't realize that Matt and I totally shoot off the hip when it comes to the podcast, which may be shocking to a lot of you guys because, you know, uh, you would think that being our primary marketing tool that we use, it's just so stinking hard for us to plan out. And frankly, we hate that format. So we just shoot from the hip. So here's my official announcement that I will be at the Iowa Big Buck Classic this weekend, March what is that? Uh, March, da, 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 March 4th. Four? Yeah. Yeah. March 4th and 5th, no, 3rd and 4th, I will be at the Iowa Big Buck Classic in Des Moines, Iowa. So if you are there, probably check out, look for me in the Rolling Bones Outfitters, Rolling Bone Outdoors booth. Um, I'll be at, hanging out with Casey and Greg uh, up there. And so if you guys are there, please stop by. I'd love to chat with you. Um, so it's just a busy, busy time of the year for us. Then from there, I'll be headed to Nebraska. So, um, a lot of, a lot of cool stuff going on. Um, and, uh, you know, um, as we talked yesterday's podcast, old field management tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about, um, some stuff, uh, new stuff, a kind of announcement for Chad and I on the family farm, but, and kind of the plans, because I know, uh, a lot of our audience loves the strategy involved in laying out um, properties and especially when it's our own because it kind of gives you a really good look at um, exactly how we would do it ourselves. because that's kind of a big question if it's like yeah if you own a farm it's easier for you to say what you do on my farm but how much do you believe in it if you're not even doing it on your own farm you know I think that's a that's a really big one for a lot of people is like, I love it. I, I, this is a little bit funny to me is when I see recommendations of things that aren't even being done by the recommender, the person who's recommending things hasn't even but, done it on their own place. It always I've makes me chuckle. Stuff about it, Adam. Yeah. Yeah. I heard, I, it'd be like oh, me going to a farm and saying, Hey, you need to do uh I I don't even know. I'm trying to even think of something. Plant you, plant ten acres of switchgrass, solid switchgrass. Yeah, you need to do that straight switch, because I hear it's great. I haven't done it myself, and I take huge value in, um, in the credibility. I hope that we can bring to people in our opinion and our expertise, because if we're recommending something, we've done it. And we've had success or failure in what we're recommending not to do. Um, and so like every single thing that we recommend, somebody on our team has done it. Um, whether that be myself, Matt, 
Frank, Kyle, Brady. Chad's not necessarily a f- part of the team as far as some sort of uh, financial gain, but he's part of the team. And so, uh, and then even as far as uh, Hunter and Thomas, who's part of our team, part of our channel um, down there with the sawdust and fire in the South. So we take great pride in knowing that what we recommend we've done and uh, continue to do and we'll recommend it. So like everything from water holes to switchgrass screens to planting natives to old field management to bedding thickets to TSI to prescribe fire. Um, and then frankly, there's been a lot of stuff. I, I'll openly share this on the podcast. I've never done this before to give people an example. Um, I, cause I, I really try to value, um, uh, people's, uh, the, the credibility that we bring. Um, here's a funny one for you, Chad, you remember the show or the movie happy Gilmore, the movie, I think every red blooded male has seen that at some point in their life, um, whether they're a golfer or not, but there's a portion of that where shooter McGavin is in the woods practicing happy Gilmore swing, happy Gilmore played by Adam Sandler has a unique golf swing where he crushes golf balls and hits them further than anybody. So like par fives, he's driving it almost in a chipping distance and, uh, shooting for Eagle almost every time, but he's a terrible putter at the beginning of the, of the movie. And so he's crushing the ball and a portion during the movie shooter McGavin, his arch rival is in the woods practicing his swing. And so when people come to me, listeners that, that listen to this podcast and they like constantly ask me things that a competitor and I, I say that loosely, a f- another person in the outdoor world who's who gets paid to travel around um, and it is their full-time job to recommend things and manage properties for landowners, then if it's like reoccurring, 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 I'll be like, maybe that, that person knows something I don't. And I, I try to pride myself in being a, a lifelong learner and a student, not necessarily a teacher. Um, even though it's humorous, I guess, because we try to teach on this podcast twice a week, but at the same time, maybe I'm always missing something. So um, there's certain things that we've tried, even that we've never mentioned or shown it because we just want to know. And it gives us the ability to kind of come out of there and say, yeah, I still recommend what I recommend. I don't recommend it that other way. And uh, I think of certain uh, using scrapes, different tools for mock scrapes and attractants that I've come out of it going, yeah, I don't believe any of that. <laughs> Meaning, or, or, yeah, I don't believe any of that. <laughs> you know, or, or I still don't believe any of that. Yeah, I still don't believe yeah. any of that. I've tried yeah. this, I've tried that, still don't believe any of it. Yeah, ropes, vines, uh, strings. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll stick with what I've recommended. Because, um, I, I mean, I've uh, we've done a lot of different stuff. with or, that, That's or just not, one in particular. Some of the scrape stuff, it's not even saying that it doesn't work. It's that I don't see it working any better than anything. Than, like, if there was a limb there, it would still work. Yeah. Like, yeah, grapevine worked great. But if there was a limb overhanging there, it would work just the same. Yeah, it's all about location. And that's just one of the examples. So this week's podcast is kind of announcing that, I, and I said it in a Facebook social media post, a while back, but, um, the, uh, Keith farm expanded, um, our mom and dad 
Nuss went and uh, and and expanded the Keith Farm back to the original Keith Farm. So our great great grandpa, so dad, grandpa, Alon uh, Alonzo, then Tom, then JB. So four post us. So we're fifth generation in this venture. Came to Southern Missouri in the Homestead Act and and got this piece of ground and then it went to his son at some point down the line and then our grandpa moved to the kind of the southeast of that while other brothers moved to the north and northeast of that and so they all just kind of sprawled out and then as the older generations passed they didn't incorporate those other pieces of ground uh, into theirs. They, you know, at, at that point in time, um, I have a feeling that it was, you know, you don't just add more acres to have more acres because more acres meant you have to upkeep, you have to do all this work, you have to pay taxes and money's just not hard, not behind every rock. So you just let land go easier than you let it go today. And so I think that was a big part of probably why that happened, but who knows? And so in, and it left the Keith name and, I don't even remember what they uh, say, but even, it was it, 40, 50 years ago at least. So it's been out of the Keith name for a while. And uh, and we just recently put it back in the Keith name right at the beginning of the year. So um, big, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll share the story that when we purchased the farm we per that you and I, Chad, purchased, that is the western boundary of the family farm, 400 and 50 plus acres dad was meh he was excited but dad was more excited about purchasing the 60 some acres that was his grand great grandpa's place and yeah, how that's, many times does he like how many times did he walk it it hasn't been that long ago that he bought it how many times has he walked that place and more than you can count on one hand a place that who knows how many times he's walked it in his lifetime yeah and he's and still, still walking he it like buys crazy. It and they just walked all over it yeah no doubt yeah he might have balked a little more if it was like during like november but he yeah especially considering the deer you killed lived on that place quite a bit no, no doubt and for people to understand like how important this piece was to us it was like missing the front one of the front teeth in your mouth um when you kind of look at how it's set up it was came in from the north and it kind of jutted all the way down into the into uh well imagine imagine uh the a u.s map um and imagine that you're looking at texas because that's similar to the family farm and it's not quite like this, but imagine half of New Mexico, the half that touches, you know, El Paso, Texas region, the very furthest western tip of Texas. If you draw a straight line up and then a straight line over to include the panhandle, it's that. It's like, yeah, that, that would be a great piece to have. And so that's what we added and, uh, you know, got a great deal on it and uh, very, very excited for this piece because um 
the last two deer I've killed, the last two falls, have spent a large amount of time on this piece, this 62-ish, 64-ish acres. I forget what it ended up being after survey. But, but... They really haven't had a <laughs> lot of stuff done to it. Like No. It, it's really not had much done. It had a little logging a while ago. I can't remember how many years ago. Uh -huh. um, there was a... Uh, it was a select cut. Yeah. The kind that you mean they cut and didn't high grade? Yeah. Yeah. It was the kind a lot of people liked because they left a lot of trees and in reality all it did was grow in brush because it really didn't it, open enough daylight in. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. It, it got a lot of uh, sassafras regen and uh and flowering dogwood. Yeah. And, and, and only in places that they cut pretty hard, one little spot was their good oak regeneration. Yep. So keep that in mind when you're considering a timber harvest. But So this 64 acres was a crucial piece in moving forward. And kind of a, a thing for everybody to think about um, in, in this is um, it's always important to have relationships and conversations with neighbors um just be nice just be kind just be always checking in always making sure you know everything's kosher everything's going on right uh, in good in the world and then always you know when that relationship has developed consider putting that bug in their ear that hey you know i know you're not planning on ever selling this but just in case you are please call me I want to be your first call because I'm interested because that's how this happened. This guy's lived there yeah. forever and, um, you know, he's getting older in age and he, uh, he was kind of, I'd picked him up a few times and I saw him walking and, and gave him a ride back home, just started conversations and told him, Hey, if you're ever interested, please let us be your first call. And, um, lo and behold, about a month later, he called me and said, hey, are you still, are you, you know, you said that last month, but are you actually interested? We were like, I didn't know at the time. I thought, is he kidding? Like, I I, I meant yeah. like five years, 10 years from now, I'm interested. I'm not sure I'm interested right now, but sure. I mean, I'm going to, we're going to have to take a swing at it. He threw a price out there and we were like, yeah, we'll do it. So, um, what we uh <laughs> heck of a pickup very excited for yeah. it because this is it's, it's you know got, it's a being just 60 some acres there's a lot of possibilities on that place that that don't just make it a great property hunting wise but make the whole farm a lot better yeah you know when we talk about it i i i when we've talked about the farm before and all the work we have planned, like we have, we just started our TSI program, uh, or we'll just start this next little bit. Um, this next year or two, we'll really start hammering out TSI. But as far as the farm goes, we've really not done the amount of work that, that you would expect, uh, just due to lack of time. Um, but at the same time, we have uh it, between the cattle and everything you're like yeah that's all great we're we really focused a lot on improving the cattle management 
which is improving the wildlife management, meaning we're building exclusion fences, we're diversifying pastures, we're adding we're adding water uh, into portions of the farm with well and tire tanks so we can rotate the cows so there's there's not this overgrazing aspect in portions of the farm. We start moving the cows around. Like it's going to make everything much better for the wildlife. But at the same time, um, this, uh, so the, therefore the farm, like I, I'm a little bit, not embarrassed, but I'm just, I just wish we could get more done on the farm uh, quicker, but it is what it is. And so when I say I'm more excited about this 64 acres than I have been on like portions of the farm, it's, it sounds terrible, but this 60 some acres is going to be amazing just because of the way it sets up and just because of the past history. Like we know deer love this portion of the area. We know two of the bucks that I killed, like the buck I killed probably was on the 60 acres the same day I killed him. The buck I killed last year most likely was on this place the day I killed him. And he came across, came over to us, and we shot him. Like, it has been, it, it, it holds a lot of deer, even with little work being done. It's just got some really good stuff to it for whatever reason. Yeah, especially when you think of, I mean, you know, predominantly most of it is north and east-facing slopes. And yep. generally when a lot of the deer especially have been there earlier in the season, like it's, we catch that, like the deer you killed last year, meaning not the 10, but the, the year before, I guess. The goofy um, eight. Yeah. You think about it. It was in October when Missouri's temperatures, a lot of times are warmer. We don't have tons of cold weather. You think about how that ties in. He was betting on that place a lot because it was a cooler area more than yeah. hot. Yeah. Like, and, it wasn't, and looking, good it wasn't the time of year when they're looking for South Lake Slope. He was looking for that that's a little more shaded but still has cover. Yeah. And so, you know, when you look at this place, it ties us up with a gravel road. So we can now have better access there's an old road that goes through the middle of this place back down to the to the gravel road that we're going to open back up and keep maintained as a uh, as another fire break road but an access road so it gives us more access into portions of the farm um thing i'm most excited about and there's going to be videos on whitetail properties youtube channel coming up um the land beat series where there's a six acre field on this place that was once you know, a portion of our family farm is called the Old Orchard. And it's actually from this this piece of ground that that that, that, that was purchased. Mom and dad, ma mainly the, the purchasers. Um, it was six acres that was an orchard. Now it's basically a cedar patch. Uh, it's got some blackjack and other scrubby oaks growing up in it. But for the most part, it's dominated by eastern red cedar. And so that... As we uh, <laughs> um, as we hit up the uh, MDC private lands conservation, it's just curious on what kind of programs, cost share programs they had. There's one that they were like, "Yeah, we we have funding for it," and so we're going to help cost share the clearing of that field. So, and this is all going to happen before planting season this May. So, um, 
and, we, and that's going to be a dozer pile that you can see from the moon. When we yeah, burn we'll it. let you guys know when we burn it, so you guys can all see it. <laughs> we'll burn it at night. We'll burn it at night, so we light up half of Missouri. Yeah, it'll cause bat migrations to mess up because of that. <laughs> um, I mean, legit, like there's six acres of eighty percent cedars and big cedars that are going to get torched. So, um, pretty significant uh, fire coming up, but then we'll have it planted in beans this, this spring to kind of control some of the invasives and control some of the weeds that are coming up. Um, and then we're going to have another blind put in on this field. Oddly enough, the picture I posted on social media is uh, of a rock, a rock overhang. And um, we always called it the natural chair. No, the rock chair. The natural chair was something else. Um, the rock chair which is very bluffy to the northwest of this field. And because of the bluff, it's not really easy for wildlife to traverse. So we're going to basically, it's, I'm going to, I'm on Onyx right now. It's pretty much a permanent tab opened up. But from the gravel road to where we're talking about putting, putting a, a, a blind is 238 yards. Um, with about a, oh goodness, 20, 40, 60, 80, 100, 120, 140, 160, 180, 200, 200 to 220 foot elevation change. So pretty steep little little hillside over 238 yards. So it's almost too, uh, it's, it's a pretty good little hike, but we're going to cut in a four-wheeler trail and it's not that far to walk with you know, prevailing wind being southeast for where we're at in the world and south, we can get in there on almost any east wind and any south wind except for southwest and be set up in that field on the northwest northwest side of that field, as well as come in from the south and hunt it with northerly winds. Um, because we have, this is the huge advantage we have compared to a lot of people that don't have this component, but we have the cattle component. And so we can put cattle, pasture, to our south and walk through the cattle pasture up to the food plot and put all the deer bedding and everything to the north of this field and to the west of this field and be just sticking our nose right into the main travel corridor of, of where this pro, uh, where this field sets. So that's probably priority number one on this, on purchasing this property. And I'll, I'll include this in the, in the show notes or in the, in the thumbnail for this of a satellite image of the farm and I'll post it on the land and legacy question and uh, habitat podcast Q and a Facebook group, because, uh, I think you guys can kind of see what our plans are. I'll also post some, uh, some photos of where we're talking about bedding cuts, where we're talking about this field, possible food plots, possible stand locations. Maybe I'm not sure what all I'm going to give away, but I'll, I'll at least and, give you guys a good idea. Part of it. Part of that is also, we don't still don't know for certain the location of some of those. Like we have pretty good ideas of where we're going to put those bedding cuts, but don't know for certain. A couple of them yeah. are still some discussion, uh -huh. just because as we've as we've walked a little more, we've kind of wavered back and forth on our original plans. Yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, um, that is. Uh, the big the big thing for us on that is is clearing out that old that old field that old orchard and converting it to food plot. Now some of you guys are asking, 
why food plots because there's a little Ceresa there. So at some point portion of this, probably the first 30 yards of this field is going to be converted into natives. And maybe even we've talked about even stripping, doing a strip through the middle that's shrubs and then another strip around that being in natives, um, which would be like basically two triangles creating a square, but the center portion north northeast to southwest being a strip of shrubs and, a sh and, and natives on both sides. But we're not quite sure yet. It's all going to kind of depend on uh, long-term play of controlling invasives, but gonna, that's kind of a, and, a goal. And part of the excitement with the big field is the fact that most of the family farm, the larger size plots are limited. We, we don't have that option on most of the family farm. Um, the biggest one is like, an acre. Yeah. So like large you have a ton of quarter like acre that, plots. It's, we don't have them and it's because of cattle management. Um, yeah. We just don't have the room for it. Yeah, and we do here. So this will be the largest plot on that, the whole family farm. And, you know, eventually if we convert one of the hayfields into an alfalfa hayfield, then it will be more food, but that's down the road. Yeah. So, but yeah, um, very exciting for us on, on just that field, converting that into a food plot because that's going to be able to feed a serious amount of deer. So the plan will be to plant a uh, forage, uh, uh, some sort of forage for wildlife, probably an ag bean, being that it's six acres, we feel like we can, we're going to find an ag bean, do some testing, and uh, and then get a cover crop in there in the fall. So we've got hopefully grains and greens. And most importantly, then we're going to have bedding cuts off the hill. Currently, we're thinking probably three big cuts on this property, on this 64 yeah. acres. Well, and, and one of those cuts is an extension of another, of a, an existing cut. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, two yeah, yeah. New cuts and then one that is a kind of an extension off of another one. Yep. We have a water hole we're planning on putting in place. Um, two and two water holes that are, I mean, we ran a camera on the one late in the fall. Yes. I can't remember when I put that camera on. No, the one, it wasn't but... late. It was October because okay. it was in the middle of the drought. I forgot. It's not six acres, it's four, almost five. Okay. But then that, that pond, actually, we figured out had a lot of use on it, Yep. too, that they're mudded in that we're going to clean out. Yep. Yep. And then and so another, I, I think another um, hunting strategy, why, probably not so much hunting strategy wise, but it will have a benefit for our hunting, is there's also some bottom field that we're going to clear off and put into pasture most likely bull lot i mean yep. it's going to help catalyze because then we actually have a great place to put the bulls that are away from the cows yeah we've always struggled with a bull cows. lot that wasn't in close proximity to the to the cows so but then another benefit of that is those fields have been brushy how many times this fall this this hunting season or even all the last hunting seasons, have you driven through there and seen deer standing in those fields where they thought they were safe? Yeah, happens all the time. So we get those cleared out and have cattle in those fields. We're keeping those deer off of the road where they get shot. Yeah. 
which has happened because the guy that lives there has seen it happen, complains about it each year. We found where people did it four years ago, shot it right off the road and drug it up to the truck. So it happens. Yep. So that's, that's one, I mean, a, like, I guess side benefit to some of this too. It's not straight hunting benefit, but it will benefit the deer anyway to pull them away from the road. Yeah. Yeah, and those fields are currently a lot of Cerisa. And so it's kind of a double edged sword for us as we're getting to control some invasives while also uh eliminating deer use along the road more than they had been in the past. Yeah. So like if you look at the map that I'm gonna share, the yellow is what we're talking about being a bull lot. And then the red is what's going to be bedding cut and the light blue is what's going to be food plot. So the big important thing is to see, you know, kind of how our uh, blinds and tree stands line up in the fact of, I'm pretty well, <laughs> I don't know if Chad's going to be too thrilled about what I have, well, you know, sharing this because basically you're going to have a really good idea how we're going to hunt this, but there's a lot of little details you won't see in this. Uh, as far as uh, water holes, screens, um, trails, access trails, edge feathering, you'll basically get in the the 80 grit look at, okay, I see how they're hunting downwind of this cut on that stand, and you're hunting downwind of this cut on that stand, and uh, you're seeing kind of how the bull lot pushes the deer uh, around the field um like there's a lot of really cool things about this so hopefully this will give you a really good idea of you know 64 acres uh this is this is a good look for what it's going to be like yeah so and there's stuff that you can't see on just like a topo map or aerial map like some of the stuff that we found walking around there uh, the first time i went in there with dad and i came back and told you um we need to shift that we probably need to shift that one bedding cut because there's a really good flat that the deer are using like crazy. Yeah. Uh huh. So I think, you know, right now I probably have six stands on the place and, uh, it sets up better. There may be, there may actually, you know, we talked about at one point, there may actually be four, uh, bedding cuts on the place. Um, but, uh, and I'm going to put four on there. Some of these being a little bit questionable, one of them in particular. Um, but really just trying to give you guys a good feel for new property purchased. You're probably going to see a lot of hunts coming, uh, in the future for, um, doggone it. I can't even tell you guys, uh, really I've shared a little bit about it, but, there's a new update to the uh, TV show with Greg Glessinger that is going to unveil at Iowa Big Buck Classic. So for you people going there, you'll be able to see that. Um, but ultimately, give you guys a good idea for in the future, you'll be seeing some more hunts off this place, I'm sure. Because, you know, oddly enough, uh, you may not believe this, but we, even though we didn't have permission or we knew the guy didn't hunt, we stayed off this property other than the one camera that sits right on the fence um, that the cows are getting into. Uh, so having a camera on that, we were able to monitor it. And this was 
this was of course whenever we started the negotiations of of uh of purchasing so we had camera up but um man so many times we've talked about man i just you know it's tempting because you know greg doesn't care that we're hunting it but i don't want to do it and this place is just this this has been the sanctuary this has been the, the the bedroom just for the simple fact of the logging that was done years ago grown up higher stem counting areas than on the family farm no grazing no foot traffic nothing and deer were in there the brushy fields the thick cover in pockets in the timber like this is where deer have been chad you shot a buck named doc several years ago and uh, the, the landowner actually found it on this place and it was a 150 something inch 10 pointer that was three and a half um i emphasize that because i wanted people to understand that there is there's a we're going to have some really good deer on this place on the whole place in the, in the future. Um, just because we continue to tick away. And fortunately for us, this isn't, you know, a lot of people will say like, you know, purchasing land is tough. Yes, it is tough. Fortunately for us in the part of our world that we're at, the land is much cheaper than many places in the United States. At least it was when we started in acquiring this and, moving it but i'm passionate about it you're passionate about it mom and dad are in on it um so we have the ability to keep ticking away at it rather than one guy who's passionate about it trying to do it himself in an area where land is more expensive so that's the major the huge benefactor for us is that we're all in it together and uh and this piece is I'm not kidding you. This might be the best 60 of the whole of the whole place, but who especially knows? when we get, you know, we've we've run a fire. We did get permission um, the last two, two, two times in this area. We we've run one fire through this whole place because we got permission. It just set up easier to have this old road as a fire line, and we we'd already gotten permission to put fire line in there and burn off of that. So we've run one fire through there, but no timber management, a five acre solid stand of cedar, of large cedars where it's big open underneath. And now we're going to clear that off at some point have um, essentially buffer strips around the edges of diverse natives manage the timberland i really you know when was the last time you heard a turkey gobble in that on that never place? I, I i well i say never it hadn't happened in the last turkey i heard goblin in there was i ended up rap, trying to wrap a shotgun around a tree so uh it's been a while um my my anger has certainly calmed itself um for the most part and uh <laughs> you know that was when i was in high school so that was twenty, almost twenty years ago, from hearing a turkey gobble in there. I can't remember. So, so in a sense, we're going from a place that had very little to offer game birds, for instance. Um, and and I mean, a lot of this strategy we've talked to has been based <laughs> around whitetails, but a lot of this planning for this place is going to benefit the turkeys and quail as well. No doubt. And I just look at this farm like 
if if we were cattle guys, we could doze so much of this and make it pasture. And so much of this could be open landscape, good flat plateau-ish. And frankly, might be pretty good for turkeys if we were to do that and plant it natives. But we're really trying to restore woodlands. That's the name of the farm, the woodlands. And so uh, that's a big part of what this this new addition is going to be, too. We're going to hammer, do some thinning, do some more thinning, do some burning, thin some more, turn it into woodlands. And uh, right. there's just a lot of junk on it right now. Yeah, I fully expect we we have multiple rounds of fire through. You know, there's a lot of multiple rows on this place as well. Um, yep. We get it treated, get fire running through the heart, through the woods there to the north of the field. I, I really expect turkeys to roost in that drainage and fly down. I mean, they already roost on the south side of this opening. I fully expect them to roost on the north side too and fly down up on that flat. I mean, when yep. it's, if it's diverse natives on years when we burn that place yeah it's, it's gonna be open, amazing they're gonna be on it no doubt yeah so for you guys um you know 60 acres here we're gonna uh i'm gonna post it on social media and on the thumbnail of this podcast so you can get a better understanding of the breakdown of the plans give you a good idea there's no tsi units on the map that i'm posting there's no there's no uh, native buffer strips. There's no uh, water holes. This is a really good just hunting strategy for you that you can see, you know, yellow is the bull lot. Reds are the bedding cuts. Blacks, the stand locations. And, and the light blue is the food plot. And you can see that pretty much like a lot of places, you know, if you were, if you were to cruise a real estate uh, website like Whitetail Properties, um, you, you look at all these listings and you're looking at places, you'll probably see a lot of places just like this where it's mostly timber. They've got one big food plot or a couple medium sized food plots. And then you roll and it, that's pretty well it. Well, the crucial thing in this is the TSI and the bedding cuts and the access for the stands. And so you have a pretty good idea when you look at this, that there's a, a run of stands that run along the North, uh, North, southwest to northeast kind of and then there's some on the southeast corner of this plot uh that uh plot of land that you'll notice are for north winds so anyway we hope you guys enjoyed this podcast um and i hope you guys are able to put the family farm back together that was a big part of the post when i made it is like you know in a world that is in a world that is watching farms be broken up we're one of the few that is putting it back together and that's that's the legacy of of this region hopefully so that's what we're working on so guys we appreciate it and we'll catch you next week